Chapter Nine of April's Lady. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Ruhi Huck. April's Lady by Margaret W. Hungerford. Chapter Nine. Sweet food of sweetly uttered knowledge. Tisn't right, says Tommy. I think it is. If you kindly listen to it once again and give your entire attention to it, you will see how faulty is the ignorant conclusion to which you have come. I'm not one bit ignorant, says Tommy indignantly. Nurse says I'm the Dickens and all at my Bible, and that I know Genesis better than she does. And a very engaging book it is too, says Mr. Brown. But it isn't everything. What you want to study, my good boy, is natural history, you are very ignorant about that at all events a cow couldn't do it says tommy history says she can now listen again it is a grand old poem and i am grieved and distressed thomas to find that you refuse to accept it as one of the gems of truth thrown up to us out of the dark ages are you ready diddle dee diddle dee dumpty the cow ran up the plum tree half a crown to fetch her she didn't twas the cat cries tommy not in my story says mr brown mildly but firmly a cow couldn't go up a plum tree indignantly she could in my story persists mr brown with all the air of one who even to avoid unpleasantness would not consent to go against the dictates of his conscience she couldn't i tell you roars tommy now thoroughly incensed she couldn't climb her horns would stick in the branches she'd be too heavy i admit thomas says mr brown gravely that your argument sounds as though there were some sense in it but who am i that i should dare to disbelieve ancient history it is unsafe to throw down old landmarks to blow up the bulwarks of our noble constitution beware tommy never tread on the trail of truth it may turn and rend you her name isn't truth says tommy our cow's name is biddy and she never ran up a tree in her life she's young says mr brown she'll learn so are you you'll learn and remember this my boy always respect old legends a disregard for them will so unsettle you that finally you will find yourself at the foot of the gallows in all human probability i suppose sadly that you are even so far gone in scepticism as to doubt the glorious truth of the moon's being made of green cheese father says that's nonsense says tommy promptly and with an air of triumph and father always knows i blush for your father says mr brown with an increasing melancholy both he and you are apparently sunk in heathen darkness well well we will let the question of the moon go by though i suppose you know tommy that the real and original moon first rose in cheshire no i don't says tommy with a militant glare there was once a cheshire cat there never was a cheshire moon i suppose you will tell me next there never was a cheshire cheese says mr brown severely don't you see the connection but never mind talking of cats brings us back to our mutton and from thence to our cow i do hope tommy that for the future you will at all events try to believe in that faithful old animal who skipped so gaily up and down and hither and thither and in and out and all about that long-suffering old plum-tree 
she never did it says tommy stamping with rage and now nearly in tears i've books i've books and tisn't in any of them it's in my book says mr brown who ought to be ashamed of himself i don't believe you ever read a book screams tommy furiously twas the cat the cat the cat no twas the horned cow says mr brown in a sepulchral tone whereat tommy goes from him there is a wild and desperate conflict tooth and nail tommy attacks the four fists and legs doing very gallant service there would indeed have been a serious case of assault and battery for the next court day had not providence sent mrs monkton on the scene oh tommy cries she aghast it is presumably tommy though as he has his head thrust between mr brown's legs and his feet in mid-air kicking with all their might there isn't much of him by which to prove identification and oh dicky says she again how could you torment him so when you know how easy it is to excite him see what a state he is in and what about me demands mr brown who is weak with laughter is no sympathy to be shown me see what a state i'm in i'm black and blue from head to heel i'm at the point of death nonsense you are all right but look at him oh tommy what a terrible boy you are and you promised me if i brought you that you just look at his clothes look at mine says mr brown my best hat is done for and i'm afraid to examine my trousers you might tell me if there is a big rent anywhere no eh well if you won't i must only risk it but i feel tattered and torn by the by tommy that's part of another old story i'll tell you about it some day come with me tommy says his mother with awful severity she holds out her hand to her son who is still glaring at dicky with an undying ferocity you are a naughty boy and i'm sure your father will be angry with you when he hears of this oh but he must not hear of it must he tommy says mr brown with decision appealing to his late antagonist as airily as airily as utterly without a rare pensee as though no unpleasant passages have occurred between them it's awfully good of you to desire our company mr monkton but really on the whole i think it is tommy i want says mrs monkton still with a meaning eye where tommy goes i go says mr brown firmly we are wedded to each other for the day nothing shall part us neither law nor order just now we are going down to the lake to feed the swans with the succulent bun will you come with us you are very uncertain dicky says mrs monkton regarding mr brown with a gravity that savours of disapproval how shall i be sure that if you take him to the lake you will not let him drown himself he is far more likely to drown me says mr brown come along tommy the biscuits are in the hall and the lake a quarter of a mile away the day waneth let us haste let us haste where has dicky gone asks joyce who has just returned victorious from her game to the lake with tommy i have been imploring him not to drown my son says mrs monkton with a rather rueful smile oh he won't do that dicky is erratic but pretty safe for all that and he is fond of tommy he teases him however beyond endurance that is because he does like him a strange conclusion to arrive at surely says dysart looking at her no if he didn't like him he wouldn't take the trouble says she nonchalantly she's evidently a little distrait she looks as though she wanted something you won your game says her sister smiling at her yes quite a glorious victory 
they had only two games out of six and you know miss connor plays very well where is mr beauclerk gone into the house to write some letters and telegrams norman do you mean asks lady baltimore coming up at this moment her basket full of flowers and minus the little son and the heiress he has just gone into the house to hear miss maliphant sing you know she sings remarkably well and that last song of milton wetting suits her so entirely norman is very fond of music have you had a game joyce yes and won it says joyce smiling back at her though her face has paled a little had she won it well i must take these into the house before they fade write and wants them for the dinner-table says lady baltimore a little hurried note has crept into her voice she turns away somewhat abruptly lord baltimore and lady swansdon have just appeared in view lady swansdon with a huge bunch of honeysuckle in her hand looking very picturesque baltimore seeing his wife move towards the house and lady swansdon displaying the spoils of her walk to dysart darts quickly after her let me carry that burden for you says he laying his hand upon the basket of flowers no oh no thank you says lady baltimore glancing up at him for just a moment with a little curious expression in her eyes i have carried it quite a long time i hardly feel it now no go back to the lawn to lady swansdon see she's quite alone at this moment you will be doing me a real service if you look after our guests as you will says baltimore coldly he turns back with a frown and rejoins those he had left joyce is talking to lady swansdon in her prettiest way she seems indeed exceptionally gay even for her who as a rule is the life of every party her spirits seem to have risen to quite an abnormal height and her charming laugh soft as it is sweet rings gaily with the advent of baltimore however lady swansdon's attention veers aside and joyce feeling dysart at her elbow turns to him we postponed one game i think says she well shall we play the next i am sorry says he deliberately but i think not his eyes are on the ground no says she colouring warmly there is open surprise in her glance that he should refuse to accept an advance from her seems truly beyond belief you must forgive me says he deliberately still he had sworn to himself that he would not play second fiddle on this occasion at all events and he holds himself to his word but i feel as if i could not play to-day i should disgrace you let me get you another partner captain grant is out there he thank you i shall be able to provide myself with a partner when i want one interrupts she haughtily turning abruptly away End of chapter nine